Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts podcast, episode number 32. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts, Sam Ehrman and Matt Nine. We've got a very special episode for you today. We are doing a mailbag episode, our first ever. Got a lot of good questions from you, our listeners, our fans. So kind of wanted to give you guys a chance to throw some questions at us that we can, you know, give you a shout out on the pod and, and get answered for you. So Got a list of questions here we're going to run through. Before we get into that, please head on over to ffballallday.com, sample some of our content there, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. We have tons of great stuff. I mention it every week, but we got new content daily reviewing last week's action and previewing the next week's action. So head on over there. Also, while you're at it, download the Thrive app. We are um, offering a 100% deposit match up to $100 with the promo code FFSCOUTS. So again, that's a Thrive app, promo code FFSCOUTS. Go check that out. But with that, let's get into the mailbag. how this is going to work i'm going to run through the questions just so you listeners know sam and matt have not seen the questions yet i have so i will be asking them to sam and matt giving them an opportunity to answer i will you know provide some colorful commentary and some thoughts along the way but otherwise it's going to be sam and matt uh answering your guys's questions so i want to start off with a question i got three different questions that are all very similar. So I want to ask them all kind of together. And I want to start with this one because it was such a popular one. So first of all, Ben at Ben Barpass asks, from what we have seen from Max so far with his rehab and playing at a high level, do you guys think Akers is likely to buck the trend and stay fantasy relevant when he comes back? We also have a question from at KY502AN says, does Daryl Henderson keep his value in future years, or is he a sell high this year? And then lastly, at MDennis0610 asks, what is Cam Akers' value next year with Henderson playing well? So I want you guys to kind of answer this in three parts. A, do we expect a recovery from Akers, and are you encouraged with what you've seen from Mac? Does Daryl Henderson keep his value, or is he a sell high? And then what is just kind of the value of both of them heading into next year when, when they're both healthy. So let's start with you, Sam. I know you're a Rams guy. You got a good pulse on this situation uh, being a Daryl Henderson fan as well. So let's start with you, Sam. Yeah. um, With what I've seen right now with uh, Marlon Mack, he's looked all right. Um, I mean, he hasn't gotten enough work, I would say to show that he looks explosive, but he looks like somebody who could be like a really good backup for a team that needs some depth um, running into the playoffs. Um, so I guess like maybe, you know, like I tweeted this out last week, like maybe we have turned the corner on the Achilles injury. Maybe we haven't. Maybe Cam Akers right now is fool's gold. But right now, Cam Akers seems to be so far ahead of schedule. He apparently looks really good. And according to Sean McVay today, 
if the Rams go to the playoffs, they're going to get Cam Akers back. I noticed that when they put his injury designation, they didn't put IR. They put PUP, which means like he could return at some point. I kind of thought that was interesting, but I guess I didn't think anything of it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, maybe he'll come back. I don't know how explosive he'll look. Nobody knows, and that's the big risk. Um, he looks good in these videos, but just because you look good in workout videos doesn't mean shit. I mean, it really doesn't. Um, he's he's still pretty risky. Um, I think next year to start, Darrell Henderson would probably be the lead back. And if Cam Akers starts to look like you know his old explosive self and is back, maybe he takes over that backfield. But I don't see Henderson continuing like this workhorse role moving forward. Um, I always thought it was going to be a committee this year just because of, you know, what I was told based off of some coaches and how Sean McVay had talked in the meetings and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like you can see what Darrell Henderson does out of the backfield. I mean, like he caught a fade touchdown, you know, last week or the week before. Um, So he's a weapon. Um, So he'll definitely still be on the field. It's just I don't know if you're going to get the that 25 touches, that workhorse role that he's getting right now. So, I mean, like, I think he's absolutely a sell high in Dynasty. Redraft, you're riding him until the brakes fall off if they do. Um, and then as for, you know, Acres' value moving forward, I think there's a world where he could become an RB1 in Dynasty um, and be an RB1 next year. I would bet against that. I would bet pretty heavily against that. But I think, you know, mid-season next year could be a really interesting time for his value. Because, like I said, I kind of expect him to start slow, you know, Henderson be the lead guy. And then if Akers is that guy again and he's explosive again, then he would take over. So that's kind of where I'm at with that backfield is Marlon Mack doesn't really mean too much to me because he hasn't – he's looked okay, but he hasn't looked great. I mean, Jonathan Taylor's a superstar, so they're starting to figure out, hey, let's not pull this 28 kid off the field. So that's kind of boring with those three players. What do you think, Matt? You agree with everything Sam said, or or how do you feel? Yeah, for the most part, I I agree. I really don't have anything to 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 discuss. I the one thing I will say though is that the thing about Acres for me personally has never been about whether he will come back from the injury or not, because we've seen guys return to the league with this injury and play again. The question has always been, will that player be productive? And there's been all these studies that, that have come out over the past few months because of the Achilles injuries with Mac and then Akers now. And it was right away, you typically see them return to form. But it's the, it's the pretty quick, uh, gradual decline of explosiveness that you then see over the course of the next 6 to 12 months. So if we get to week one next year, and Akers goes off, you know, 15 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown or something like that. Everybody's going to be losing their, you know, losing their shit. But then I think the thing is, is like Sam pointed out, what's it going to look like when we get to midseason? What's it going to look like when we get a year down the road? Because it's not so much as the immediate impact of this injury. It's the longevity of this injury. How does it affect you moving forward? Which is kind of disappointing for him because he is only, was he 22, 21, something like that. Like he's extremely young. So there is a world where he's not really that good anymore by the time he's 24 or 25, which is kind of sad. So for me personally in playing dynasty, I, I don't want any part of acres. 
Akers and ETN are in the same boat for me. Yes, they could come back and they could return to their former selves, but it's never been done before, and I don't want to be the first to find out. Yeah, I generally agree with both of what you with both of you guys on that. Just let me ask you a question. Um, I want to interrupt you both. In Dynasty, right after the injury happened, I have this player in my main league, and I was told that he would not take Cam Akers over Michael Carter in Dynasty. Would you have Michael Carter or Cam Akers? I would rather have Michael Carter, but that's I'm I'm also not as high on Michael Carter as you, just because that offense is ugly, and I don't think he looks that great. But yeah, I would still rather have him than Akers. I'm going to take Akers, and for one reason only in this scenario, I don't think Michael Carter ever becomes the guy in the for the Jets, but I do think Akers will show enough at some point that his value will you'll be able to get a better return for him than you will ever for Carter, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It kind of plays into what I was going to add. because the name have, value, I think, yeah. Like, if he comes well, out and ever has yeah, 100 game, exactly. he can make so, name I, value. Like, Michael Carter, I, I mean, I completely disagree with everything you guys have said. Every Anytime he's had any lane, he's gotten big chunks. And the fact that he gets back to the line of scrimmage half time is a miracle, but I'm not going to go down that path. Um if you're playing the name strategy and you want to take somebody to the cleaners, then yeah, you should probably absolutely go Cam Akers because, oh man, Rams running back Cam Akers, you know, Cam Akers in a second for Jonathan Taylor could get some people to bite. I think for me, so um, Daryl Henderson was one of my dynasty risers a few weeks ago. And and what I mentioned is he's playing well now, but I think he's playing well enough to the point where it's going to be an uphill battle for Akers to actually earn that job back. I think he, you know, he'll have a role when he comes back, assuming he's healthy, but I think Henderson is good enough where it's at least going to be a split backfield, maybe more so in favor of Henderson with Michael Carter. He reminds me a bit of Gio Bernard, which isn't a bad thing, but the Bengals kept trying to, you know, bring in another guy. But I think Michael Carter, especially in PPR is going to have long sustained value catching passes and doing a lot of things. So I'd rather have the security of Michael Carter as like an RB3, RB2 upside kind of guy than Akers who just – I'm not betting on him to return to, right. you know, the form he was. Yeah, Carter – the reason I asked Carter is because, I mean, like, he's taken over the backfield. He's had 10-plus in, like, a lot of his games recently. I think it's five of the past six. Um, so, like, I just wasn't sure if you'd want to go, you know, risk the upside and chase the ceiling and, you know, the name value, or if you're going to play it safe and build, you know, because Carter looks good in my opinion. And that line's horrible. And, you know, now that Zach Wilson's out a month, things are not going to be easier. But, I mean, you bring up a good point that he's catching passes. I mean, every game he's caught at least three passes. And, oh, Matt, you're saying something? Yeah, I was going to say, what if? What about the comparison? Who would you rather have in Dynasty, Akers or Henderson? Henderson for me. Is it close though? Or is this yeah, like, it's really close? Or is it, this it, like Henderson, no question, or Akers, no question? It's it's an easy answer, but I think it's like their value is close. I yeah. think they're really close. It, my big concern about Sean McVay coming and Cam Akers coming back isn't that like Darrell Henderson's done anything to lose his job. It's just when Sean McVay loves a guy, that's his guy. And Cam Akers appeared to have been his guy. The things he talks about him and the things he said about him, it just kind of feels like when Cam Akers is back, Sean McVay might force feed him that job again. And that's my only concern. That's why in Dynasty I think he's a sell high. Like, 
if I'm in a dynasty league and I could trade, you know, Darrell Henderson in a second and go get somebody like a tier above in the running back category, I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I, I think we're at that the same spot when it comes to a lot of players. So I don't think we're selling to sell, but it doesn't hurt to go out and start inquiring. Like, what can you get as a return? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And lastly, I just want to say, um, I, I guess – I shouldn't say Michael Carter hasn't looked good. I just, I worry about that offense and the situation, but I think his pass catching chops are at least going to keep him very relevant, um, like a weekly flex option, if nothing else. So, and then what, one last thing I'd like to point out is that we haven't gotten to see a ton of Marlon Mack because of Jonathan Taylor. So even though people right now are saying, Oh my gosh, Marlon Mack looks good. I mean, he's looked okay. He hadn't looked like, I wouldn't say good, like out of this world. But if he does get traded, he's probably going to play a lot more than what he is in Indianapolis. And I think that would be the good litmus test of, you know, this is Marlon Mack playing for a legit team, getting real carries for an extended period of time. How does he actually look? What can we expect as opposed to these four carries a game? That really doesn't tell us much in a vacuum. Yeah, that's a really good point, Matt, because he's looked good in small spurts and and just good, not great, but good enough in small spurts. But that's a really good point. So, um, all right, let's move on. I want to get to some more questions here. At NY says, what's the value of pending free agent Allen Robinson? I'm in a league where I'm three and three. I turned down a second rounder for him, but traded him straight up for Tony to a guy who was five and one. So um, this is, I like this question a lot because it's two guys who I've traded for and I've been targeting in Dynasty, but I will start with you, Matt, and then Sam, and then I'll give my thoughts. So what's the what's the pending the value of pending free agent Allen Robinson? Guy turned down a second rounder for him, but traded him straight up for Tony. What do you think of of that deal and what's Robinson's value? Hmm. So I actually sent out two offers for Robinson last week, and both of them I sent out a 22 second, and both of them got rejected, which I'm not really surprised at, but I figured you never know. Shoot your shot. But as far as his long-term value, I really don't know. I mean, I think I think it's the same thing as Marlon Mack. I, I I might be selling or buying depending on costs. Obviously, I think this year's shot for Allen Robinson. Justin Fields hasn't looked good at any point this year. Uh, he's really only targeting Mooney. Allen Robinson is just kind of floating around on the field. Uh, he is a free agent next year. They could tag him again. Uh, if he does sign somewhere else, I don't, there's not a lot of spots where he comes in right away and he's like, there's like a clear gap between the one and the two, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know if, ever, if he's ever going to be a clear cut one. Um, I, I think if you, if you can get a first, I think I would sell because wide receiver is such a deep position. There's younger guys coming into the league every year. I mean, even the 22 wide receiver class looks good, the 23 wide receiver class looks good. The past two classes, 21 and 20, have looked good. I mean, there's just so much talent coming in that trading him for a first or or for a guy like Tony, who I would not, I would personally have not made that trade, but I, I get the thought process of it. Um, I, I think that's what I would be doing with him right now. Sam, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's kind of a loaded gun question because Allen Robinson is still like, in my opinion, one of the best wide receivers in the league. It's just I don't see him returning to Chicago. I just don't see it. So then do you really want to play the free agency game? 
I don't either. And that's not like my favorite game. Um, and the hard part is like, I want to say if you're contending, you keep him, but he's not helping you. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, I got plenty of right now. If you sell, you're you're panic selling, and if you buy, like, you're buy, you know, you're buying cheap on one of the guy guys who's been one of the best players in the league for a long time. It's just there's so much risk and murkiness in the Chicago situation. I typically try to stay away. So I guess it would depend on what you're getting in return. Like like Matt said, I understand the thought process on the Kadarius Tony trade. Probably wouldn't have made it, but I get it. And that's the right thought process. I just think, you know, maybe more details or a little bit more on that guy's back end would have been the direction I would have went. I will say, though, that I think based on the fantasy community that there are still a lot of people that are relatively low on Chase Claypool still because of his situation that he's also in. I would send out Allen Allen Robinson for Chase Claypool. If you can get that one-for-one swap, I would do that in a heartbeat. So, yeah. Go ahead. Did you have more to add, Sam? No, I don't think so. Because I was just going to say, for me... I have identified Allen Robinson as a buy low. If you're rebuilding, kind of retooling, if you're going through a short rebuild, like I'm in a league where I won back-to-back titles. Year three here, I was one of the favorites, but um, I've had some injuries, some bad luck. So I'm in last place, but I'm like third in scoring. So I got a lot of tools to trade off. Allen Robinson was a guy I went and got because he was on a contender's roster. He wasn't helping this contender. So I got him kind of on the cheap, and I'm planning on competing next year. So he's a guy, you know, it makes sense to buy low on. So I like that. Um, I think you were right to turn down a second rounder because I think that would have definitely been selling low. I think Kadarius Tony is going to be a superstar. Um, he's another guy I'm trying to get everywhere. I've, you know, my league mates who listen to this, I'm, I hope you don't hold him ransom for me because I'm trying to get him everywhere. Um, I was able to get him and Robinson in that deal I, I just alluded to. And I think I think Tony's going to be a stud. And so I would make that trade. I would prefer Tony there. But I think those are both guys I'm trying to buy in Dynasty. But if you're competing right now, it's tough because Robinson really isn't helping you. I'd rather have Tony rest of season um, and going forward. But I think Robinson is a nice guy to buy for a, a kind of mini rebuilding team. Um, all right, let's move on. We have a question from at Malden underscore Luke. He says, where do we rank Mike Williams going forward? We've talked about Mike Williams a little bit on this podcast, but not for a few weeks. Um, he's kind of cooled off a little bit since his hot start, but I think we all still feel really good about Mike Williams, but I'll let you guys answer. So Sam, why don't we start with you, Mike Williams? Well, I don't know if I would say cooled off as much as the Ravens got the shit beat out of them, and then they were on a bye. So, the I, Chargers, Chargers, yeah, yeah. Like you said Ravens. Ravens. Well, I meant to say they, they got the shit beat out of them by the Ravens, right? Okay, and then they were on bye. Yeah, but um, I, it's tough because like it's hard to say like oh he's a wide receiver one and then rank him above like certain guys. Um, and that's why I'm not really like, a big fan of like. I guess linear rankings. I could probably see him being like a tier two, tier three guy or a season where he gives you a lot of wide receiver one weeks, but doesn't quite finish there. Um, he's attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the league. 
Um, they sling it. Um, he's going to have big weeks. You're going to have dud weeks, but I think he's going to be a better version of Tyler Lockett over the past few years. Um, does that trend continue in Dynasty? We don't know because he's not on contract next year, but I would assume he comes back on some sort of deal. It would just depend on what. So moving forward, I think he's comfortably a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside in both redraft and dynasty. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, sort of, kind of. I think what you're hoping for if you're a Mike Williams owner is that he returns to the Chargers uh, a little bit like Corey Davis. You know, he didn't do anything at all up until just now this year. And Corey Davis's last year, which is, you know, your year four. And and that's generally a really late breakout. The sustained success of a breakout this late is extremely, extremely rare and extremely low. So for him to repeat this season, not being in this particular offense, uh, repeat this kind of statistical season for fantasy, I it's really hard to envision. So I think I think it goes back to what we were talking about with Allen Robinson a little bit, do you want to potentially play that free agency game? Because even one of our staff guys, Andy wrote that article about what happens to players values and production when they move to teams via free agency. And it typically drops. And this is a guy that won't be paired with one of the best young quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, Justin Herbert, I think is safe to say he's a consensus top six, top five fantasy quarterback right now. Uh, In theory, there's only four other spots where he could potentially maintain this kind of production uh, that, you know, in such an offense that the Chargers run. So I think I'm I, I'm not selling to sell, but I'm definitely going out and seeing what I can get in return right now. I would just say that I don't know that it's quite fair to say he hasn't done anything because, I mean, it is a late breakout, I suppose, but he's been a thousand yard receiver before. He's had a 10 touchdown season and he's had a lot of big games. He's been very boomer bust. He's never been quite as good or consistent as he is this year. But they're also using him in a different way that's kind of unlocked him. It's not like it's the same exact role. So I think we've seen the flashes. It's just kind of all coming together. So I get your point, but I don't entirely agree with it. So I don't know. What do you think about that, Sam? Yeah, it's kind of what I was like. As you're talking, I'm kind of agreeing with you as you're going. Like, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, I think he's always shown that flash and the potential. He'd always hadn't gotten hurt or they didn't use him right. I mean, like for years, it was always like free Mike Williams, like use Mike Williams properly. And now he's got a staff who seems to be doing that. I just the biggest question is, does he return? I mean, they drafted Josh right. Palmer in the third round. Uh, he'll probably want a pretty penny. Um, you know, there's some other guys on the offensive line. We're going to want some money. Um, you got a defensive end named uh, Joey Bosa who's going to want his bag. I, I wouldn't know. He already got paid, didn't he? Joey's he did. been paid, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, he got so paid. Me. Um, but that's still committed. Derwin money. James, Derwin James is another guy who's coming down the pipe. Um, he'll probably get franchise tagged because he has not been healthy over the years. So they'll probably want to see another year before they give him a big contract. But with Mike Williams, like I could see realistically, like probably like one of those two year, $25, 30000000 million contracts where it's not egregious, you know, elite money. But it's up front. Get us off the contract. Stay here. You know, you've been a good player for us. Um, Brandon Bean seems to really like him. Or No, no, no. Tim Telesco. Um, not Brandon Bean. That's wrong. Side of the country. Um, Mr. Telesco seems to really like him um, based off the conversations he's had. 
Um, and every anytime he's on like the Pat McAfee show or Colin Cowherd or you know those shows, I go and listen to what he says. And um, it doesn't seem like Mike Williams is out of the con- equation, but you never know when you get in those negotiations what somebody's going to want. Um, so that makes him a little bit risky. So, but I I still think he returns. Like gut feeling, I just think he returns. So, yeah, that's a really good point on. The one-year deal, I think that is possible because Herbert still has one more year to go before he's eligible for an extension. So they could essentially bring him back next year for one more year, you know, one more Super Bowl run uh, potentially, and then Herbert will probably ask for an extension at the end of his third year. So that's that's very possible. Yeah. I hope the Chargers wait all five years with Josh Allen because – or not – man, I'm messing up names with Justin Herbert because – like, look at what's happening in Kansas City. Do not pay your quarterback until you have to. I don't think Justin Herbert's the kind of guy who's going to hold out in year three. So don't rush because then you start to lose a bunch of key players and then you run into the situation Kansas City is. So I'm hopeful that they kind of make him play out his rookie contract. I hope you're right. I hope they do that as well. And it's worth noting, I mentioned this before, but they're paying Keenan Allen roughly $20 million a year. So do they really want to commit that much money to wide receiver between the two of those guys? Hopefully they do. Like you said, Sam, a, a short kind of two-year deal would, would make a lot of sense. The so. reason I feel like he returns is look at Austin Eckler's deal. Austin, they The Chargers like got a hell of a deal on Austin Eckler. They did. And I just kind of see like – Telesco being like, look, like this is kind of what we're doing. Like this is what we're building. Like this is the pyramid scheme I've built in my little head. Please make it work. And I just feel like Mike out or Mike Williams is a team enough player to, to take that bite, I guess. Sure. Yeah. It seems that way. So let's hope Um, moving on. We have another question from at the back all Oh nine. He asks Rondell or Bateman doesn't give any context, but I, I, pretty much assume you know a lot of our followers are dynasty based so let's take that in a dynasty direction or if you want to mention redraft as well Rondell Moore or Rashad Bateman Matt what do you what do you got I'm going with Rashad Bateman here I tend to personal preference lean towards your more bigger physical wide receivers than Rondell Moore I wasn't the biggest Rondell Moore fan coming into the new year uh, albeit he has performed exceptionally well, I think above most people's expectations, probably. I think the issue I have here is that in two games, what is it? Rashad Bateman has seen 12-ish, 13 targets, something like that. Six yeah, games. You know, granted, he's just coming back from an injury. And I believe on his 12 or seven receptions, I think like all seven of them have gone for first downs. I feel like I saw that. It was a fun stat that I saw today. He is the guy. Like, I, I think we're again talking about Mike Williams. You know, do they re-sign Marquise Brown at some point? You know, they drafted Rashad Bateman in the first. This is this is what they have been wanting to quote unquote unlock Lamar Jackson to, to elevate his passing game to the next level. Is your big physical jump ball threat that can go downfield, catch it over the middle, reliable set of hands. And I think that he's going to see a lot more, uh, what, what was the term, uh, valuable targets, value targets, than what Rondell Moore will be in a spread offense that likes to move the ball around. So I think Rashad Bateman is, is your answer here. I'm with you on that. 
I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. We're, we're working through thoughts here. Yeah, well, and remember, these guys are doing it live. They haven't seen the questions, so they're uh, they're working through it as we go. So, Sam, do you agree with Matt and I, or do you have a different take? I'm still thinking. It's also, I mean, I, like I, I, I'll, I'll, I would, I think I would take Bateman, but I'll make the case for Rondale here. Let me okay. explain it, like, let me like explain, like maybe like why you could go Rondale. I mean, like, A.J. Green's oldest dirt. Christian Kirk is on his contract year, so he may come back. He may not. But Rondale's still getting, a, like, a volume. He's on the volume offense. He could get that uptick. He's already in year one and looks special. I mean, man, it's so hard not to be like, yeah, but Bateman, you know, but, like, Bateman looks incredible. Um, I, and I, I started hot with more, but, like, as I started talking – I just feel like the answer should be Bateman. I, I I just feel like an easy way to go about this is that if you can't decide, play through a general game scenario in your head. What what does a typical Cardinals game look like? You're spreading the ball around from left to right. You got Rondale, you got D Hop, Kirk, Zach Ertz, Edmund, Connor. There's just a it's not mouths to feed, but the way that offense works is that there's so many people that get the ball because of the mismatches that Cliffs Kingsbury creates. So I feel like they spread the ball around and whoever scores happens to score. There's no true, we need to get the guy in this ball's hands every game. And then we switch over to Baltimore and who run, you know, they run the ball, but who else are they throwing to outside of Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown right now? Not, not really anybody. And that's where, that's where Bateman comes in. And this is a wide receiver that if I remember correctly, since Lamar's been there, they've never had someone like him before. So this is new, unexplored territory for this offense. And then when I go back and think about the value of the targets they receive, I think Bateman is going to be a feature in the red zone, is where Rondell is probably not compared to guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Michael Crabtree. And Michael Crabtree was a beast in the red zone. But what I would, one of the reasons I favor him, because I think he's a better player and prospect, but also I'm with you, Matt. I, I tend to go more towards like the bigger alpha type guys. But one of the arguments against him was that this is a run first offense. Mark Andrews is the number one. Hollywood's in the mix. But you look at last year, Lamar Jackson, air yards per attempt, he was number six in the league. Passing yards, he was 22nd. Air yards, he was 23rd. Completed air yards, he was 20th. This year, number one in yard, air yards per attempt, number seven in passing yard, number two in air yards, number three in completed air yards. The guy is throwing it downfield at a much higher rate and a lot more successfully. So I like the opportunities for Bateman more so now than I did when he was drafted. And this isn't to say also that I don't think Rondale's bad or, or anything like that. I just think moving forward, which guy is going to be more firmly integrated into their offense? And I think that's Bateman. I agree. Okay, this one, um, I'm going to... Who did we... Do we start with you, Matt, on the last one? Okay, because this is a good one to start with for Sam. So it's from at GMM061971. What to do with the Raider duo of Ruggs and Edwards? 
Um, again, I assume this is more dynasty based, but attack it however you'd like. What are we doing with rugs and Edwards going forward? Uh, I think unless you're actively getting an upgrade, you're holding because they, they're developing. They're looking good. Um, the volume's not quite there yet, but they're looking good. Um, they're making plays. The best part about rugs, at least, is you know you're going to get at least one or two deep shots a game. If he connects, you're going to have a great fantasy day. And if he doesn't, you're going to have a dud. Um, and that's that's fine. I think that's on when you draft Henry Ruggs, like, I think that's the expectation. You know, it was like, you know, you're going to have some of those weeks where he's going to pop off and some of those weeks where he's going to be a little bit slower. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about what I've seen. I think they both look fine. Derek Carr is playing at a high level. Um, the past few weeks, they've gotten rid of some of the really stupid 12 and 13 personnel calls. Um, you know, they've started looking more outside um, instead of throwing fades to, you know, Alec Ingold. Um, I think the offense is still coming around and adjusting after the John Gruden era. That stuff takes time. Um, you know, they're seeing an uptick of work and usage. Uh, they just cut Willie Sneed today. Like, hey, we don't need you. Like, get out of here. Um, so I'm not, I see no reason to be panicking at all. Um, Ruggs is on pace for over a thousand yards and Edwards is on pace for 850 yards. Um, I mean, that's year two. That's a huge jump in year two for both of them. I I don't really see any reason to be doing anything really, unless you're actively getting somebody to, you know, come by like the scary and the, the scary part about Twitter and the problem that it creates is that if they don't hit year one, people will dump them. And players take time to develop. Like, yeah, like getting a Jamar Chase is awesome. But, like, people on analytics Twitter taking a victory lap that Jamar Chase is good. Like, we all saw that coming. Um, You know, like, that's why that pick was so valuable. Like, you could see, like, hey, this guy's going to be a superstar. Better go get him. Everybody else takes time to develop. Everybody that you are drafting regularly, for the most part, was not a superstar day one. That stuff takes time to develop. And you want to see growth by the years. So I'm not doing anything. I'm excited with what I'm seeing. And if Twitter wants to trade and panic because of face plants, make fun of them and take advantage. I have nothing else to add. That was beautifully said. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I will say I acquired rugs, the first share of rugs, and it's in a, in a, in a lineup or a roster, a very deep roster. And so there's, uh, big starting lineups and I like rugs a lot in formats like that where you start a lot of guys because you can kind of afford that risk reward a little more if you have like a very condensed starting lineup he's very risky like you said Sam throwing out I a started Edwards I, in my main league I didn't have like I was literally depleted and we start five flexes so head Edwards was my last flex um and there was nobody who went more wild than me in my living room when he got that touchdown I literally jumped up I was like Whoa! Screaming. Yeah, that was great. But I um, that. yeah, I mean, you have to be excited with what you're seeing out of the development in the passing game from these two. Like, I I don't understand why people are so worried. I think they look fine, you know? Yeah, I think it's uh, a little bit too much panic there. Is very well said, Sam. Um, we've got a TJ Hawkinson question, which um, I know is a lot of fun around here. Matt's giving the thumbs down. I was very high on TJ Hawkinson this year. But the question from, I don't know how to pronounce this, it's at V-I-T-O-R-N-L-S. He asks, TJ Hawkinson rank, just uh, 
no other context. What is T? Where do you have TJ Hawkinson ranked? Basically, Matt. Top six, top seven for sure. Sam. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to dynasty and redraft. You know, I mean, it's pretty similar. Redraft, he's been a little disappointing, but I mean, Jared Goff has just been worse than expected. Um. Yeah, at some point he'll probably have a new quarterback. You don't really know who or when, but you start him if you've got him for the most part, um, unless you have like a Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller above him. But that's pretty typically very rare. Um, yeah, I have him at six right now. Yeah, I, and that's fine. I mean, it's my guess. If I had to guess off the top of my head what your dynasty rankings are, it'd probably be like uh, Kelsey, uh, Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Fant, Hawkinson. And then got boom, mic drop. Well, I think I think I have Waller first, but that yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. I, I have actually, I don't. I have, I should. I need to update these. Yeah, we're just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's either way though. He he's five for me, but either way, he's in that kind of tier yeah. two of him. Fan Goddard. Like, he's at, he he's at the top of that second tier. For yeah. Me. Would you rather have? Kyle Pitts or um, um, George Kittle? Kyle Pitts or George Kittle? Yeah, I'd take Pitts. Okay. Kittle's, just, Kittle's not the same this year. Well, I mean, he hasn't been on the field, but I I was just curious. I mean, like, I always thought he was overrated. I mean, like, when I did my big Darren Waller thread, I didn't even include him, and people got mad, and I was like, they're not even in the same category. He's never caught more than, like, 80 footballs and never had a, more than five touchdowns. Yep. I agree. Um, okay, let's move on to at Twitch user chosen. How do we value James Robinson? We'll start with you, Sam. I know. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, look at his face. He's not happy. I got this one first. Just random. We're just random. Oh, yeah, here. buddy. Um, Dynasty. Well, I'll start redraft. Redraft, um, low end. Uh, RB1 high-end, RB2, um, he looks really good. I think Urban Myers figured out if you give him the football, good things will happen. Um, Dynasty, I don't know. Um, I would assume he'll still be the lead back in moving forward years, but I think Travis Etienne will eventually come back and be the receiving gadget weapon they designed him to be, which will take some work away from James Robinson. Um because Travis Etienne wasn't really good in between the tackles. Like that's not why he was drafted in the first round. So I don't imagine that they're gonna try to use him as such. I mean, but I guess it is Urban Meyer. So maybe everything I just said was a big waste of my time. Um they might not but, even have yeah, Urban there next year. Yeah, exactly. But your hope and belief is that um in Dynasty, I would sell. It, it depending on who I could get, like if I could get like somebody else and like an Antonio Gibson, or you never know who's like midseason frustrated. Um, I would try to take advantage, but it would depend on who you're getting. Like, I don't think I would trade. Okay, James Robinson or Joe Mixon. James Robinson. James Robinson. Okay, so uh, that's interesting because Matt, you're one of the biggest Mixon guys I know. So I, I. Just, I wasn't expecting that answer, so it kind of just killed my whole rhythm I had going right there. All right, well, Matt, you're up. <laughs> so I, I, I'm all in. 
I, I'm deep in, I'm, I've dove in, I'm deep into the pool, water's over my head, I'm all in on James Robinson. So the, the narrative last year was James Robinson, you know, 90% snap share, whatever it was, huge workload, really poor efficiency. I think he ranked like somewhere between 20 and 30 and or 30 or, or 40 and all of the efficiency metrics that matter for continued RB success. And, you know, then they went out and they drafted ETN and then, you know, everybody was panicking what we do with j-rob etn gets hurt well j-rob comes into this year and his snap share is i what did we say it was i think it's still close to 75 percent or something like that what we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago it is but his opportunity share is still top five and his efficiency he ranks in all of the metrics he was really poor in last year he's now top 10 in everything this year he has taken his game to the absolute next level on less work and he's still putting up the same numbers he put up last year I, this guy is phenomenal. Uh, I follow, I think it's Jay Moyer. Uh, hopefully I got that I got that right. But he put out a thread a couple weeks ago on James Robinson talking about him. And he is, usually you see guys that are really good in like one aspect, which is like the vision and hitting the hole. And another guy's simply just like athletes can make guys miss and stuff like that. And he's both. Like James Robinson is a complete back. The only true thing he lacks is breakaway speed, but his vision and contact balance is so good that he almost guarantees you four to five yards every time he touches the ball because he knows what to do and where he's going. So I'm all in on James Robinson. I think I, I think I'll go a little little bit higher than a low end RB one. I think maybe mid range RB one to low end RB one, as opposed to low end RB one to high end RB two. And I, I think when we look at ETN, you know, looking forward, I think it's the same conversation we're having with Acres. You know, ETN sustained an injury that also has a very poor success rate of players coming back from. So I think that the gap is furthering between James Robinson and ETN because Cam Akers already had a year under his belt. He understands what's going on. He knows how to play in the NFL. ETN is missing the most critical season of his entire career, which is his rookie year, with an injury that has a 0% success rate upon return. While... James Robinson is getting better. The gap between them is growing further and further apart every week. And James Robinson, when the season started, as Sam and I have talked about, was already really, really good at the stuff that Travis Etienne was was poorer in, running between the tackles, pass pro, and stuff like that. So now you got James Robinson that's working on those things that he wasn't as good at with Etienne, and he's actually doing phenomenal at those things, and he's separating himself. So with the fact that Urban might not be there next year, and even with ETN returning, I don't see how James Robinson is not a top 12 back for the foreseeable future. Well, my – I mean, it, just because there's been a 0% success rate, that means he's not going to come back and take some work. My thing about Travis ETN isn't that like he's going to come back and – it's more so like when you add another weapon to the field that you plan on using, somebody else is going to get less work and be less involved. And I just kind of feel like he's going to get enough touches where it's going to be annoying in future years. It probably won't even be early next year. It'll be like he'll start slow. Like it's going to be all James Robinson. Then ETN will kind of worked in like his little niche. Um, they're two totally different players. So I don't see James Robinson's – running in between the tackles changing at all or his usage there it's more so 
his passing game, which is where ETN is really, really good, that I think he's going to take some volume away. And receiving work is what's king in fantasy. So that's why I'm still interested in Travis ETN in fantasy and not just writing him off personally. That's possible. But I think assuming Urban is back, because if there's a new coaching staff in there, everything's up, up in the air at that point. But assuming Urban is back, I think, my pushback would be, I still think James Robinson sees the same snap share because he's so good at pass pro. And I think ETN moves to the slot, but I also don't think that James Robinson then doesn't become your simple check down who sees four or five targets a game. So even with ETN back, I'm, I don't think his role changes to the point where he's not, you know, still seeing enough work and volume to be a viable RB one. I just think RB one, I disagree with. Um, and it's not that I disagree. I just think that there's a, a much more obvious path that Travis Etienne could come in and take more of that work than you would want. Like, even if he comes in and takes 20% of the work that James Robinson is getting, James Robinson is nowhere going to be near the RB1. I, I get, I mean, I don't know. I guess I just disagree because when I look at this, like, I look at this from a a pure talent perspective. I mean, James Robinson's the top six NFL running back. Like he's that good. Like throw, we need to release him of his UDFA tag. Like it doesn't even matter anymore. He has proven to be an elite running back in this league. So then you think about that from a fantasy perspective. I have a hard time thinking that NFL coaches don't see that, don't recognize that. So to just take someone that good off the field in favor of someone who's coming back from an injury like ETN's just doesn't seem like the best of ideas. But again, it is Urban Meyer, so I don't know. But I also think there's a chance, you know, Chad, we talked about this with Donnie Rich. I think there's a chance James Robinson might get moved next year. And in that case, you know, a team like Seattle, a team like Miami, a team like whoever else needs a running back, um, you know, could make a splash move for him and, and, and make him their workhorse. So if, if he's that good, then he wouldn't be in the trade market. I think he's a fine player for where you got him. And he can I, do everything you need him to. It just, I think. I, I only say he's in the trade market because it's a coach like Urban and he wanted his guy ETN. And which is all the reason you should be more afraid of ETN moving forward. I'm not because I don't think James Robinson will be there. And I think he's also good enough to hold him off if he is. But didn't you just say that if ETN's his guy? Because, like, my whole thing is Travis Etienne is a very unique player who's going to come out of the backfield and be an extreme weapon, like, in the passing game. And that's going to be extremely valuable, and somebody's going to have to come off the field, and it's probably going to be number 25 as much as we don't like that. I See, I don't. I think ETN goes into the slot. And I think then that's why I think James Robinson stays on. So the then field. you're pulling. So then who are you pulling off the field? Jamal Agnew. No, if we're talking 2022, your options are Lavisca Chanel, DJ Chark, and uh, we don't know if DJ Chark Chark's is there. a free agent though. Yeah, I just I think that's too much. I don't. I'm not a huge Travis Etienne fan, but I just feel like he's going to be there. He they spent a first round pick on him. He's a very unique player. Um, and the receiving work is king, and he's going to catch passes. So I just feel like that's going to eat into James Robinson. And I think James Robinson will still be, like, the lead back, like, in the t- terms of carries and snap share. Um, but I feel like it could be a situation where, like, we're looking at Jamal Adams a- or 
Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift situation where like Swift is more valuable because he gets the receiving work. I it's possible, but again, I feel the same way about ETN as I do Acres. I don't want any part of it. It's an injury that has a 0% success rate. Again, I'm not saying he can't come back. He probably will come back and he will play. It's just it's the same question as Acres is the effectiveness and the longevity of your career at this point. So I'm not saying he won't be successful, but I just don't want to be the one to bet on it. I'll well, but some, I think I'll let somebody be... else do that. So I think, and I think James Robinson is, is elite. So I think that wouldn't that be the best part of Travis Etienne though next year is his cost is already going to be baked into his risk. Like he'll probably be free in redraft leagues and you could probably get him for a second round pick in dynasty leagues. And he was a high end first round pick. So like, I just feel like right now, if Phil didn't have him on my my main league, I'd probably go try to get him and just sit him there and see. It just, I don't know. That's it, too much. That's it, such a long ways away, and it's such an interesting topic where I didn't like Etienne, and I there's didn't a lot of variables with the Jaguars for next yeah. year. Oh, there's a lot. I don't know. I think that's we need to <clears throat> move on if we want to get through these. But I think that's the biggest question is there are a lot of variables. Just real quickly, I'll add. I mostly agree with you, Matt. I've been on James Robinson with you for those that don't realize how efficient he's been on kind of the, you know, the argument was his volume can't keep up, but he's number five in true yards per carry uh, number seven in breakaway runs. Also, as you alluded to, he's number five in run blocking efficiency. He has the ninth highest offensive grade from PFF and the second highest uh, run game rate or run game grade from PFF. So he has been very efficient and very good. And I'm, I'm still all in on him. Um, all right. Next question from at real Novocaine. Is Ayuk done for life? Um, we'll start with you, Matt. I maybe for life is a little extreme, but uh, where do we stand on Ayuk? I'm out. I don't know if he's done for life, but I'm out. I think the best thing to benefit him in his career would be a trade. I'm not entirely sure that uh, that is going to happen. Um, one of our Discord members or Patreon members dropped a fantastic YouTube video link in our Discord today um, showing uh, the regression of Ayuk. I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a Kyle Shanahan problem at this point. Uh, this YouTube video clearly pointed out that Ayuk is being schemed into this offense almost every week, and he has regressed so far that Kyle Shanahan has basically stopped doing it for him because he just doesn't understand the offense anymore. He's generally not in the right spot. He doesn't understand the play calls. Like, I don't know what's going on compared from last year to this year. But I do think some of this is Kyle Shanahan related, you know, being in the doghouse and stuff like that. Obviously, that's on that's that's on you, but enforced by your coach. But but I think there's a good reason for it. I just don't think Ayuk is that good of a player as he was last year. And I'm not entirely sure what happened between then and now. Um, my stance is a little different. It's actually pretty different. Um and I had to go pull it up as you asked Brandon Ayuk because I wanted to ask. I haven't looked at the tape yet with Brandon Ayuk. Um, so what I'm getting ready to say is going to be all numbers. So if it's laughable, um, feel free to let me know because I haven't watched that YouTube video yet. Um, but from what I've seen, um, quick player profiler, um, over the past one, two, three, four weeks, he's paid 86% of snaps. Um, he's still running a, a decent amount of routes. 
it's just I think the problem part of the problem is one. I mean, look at the guys who he's faced: Jeff Okuda before he got hurt week one, and it was Darius Slay week two, Eric Stotes, DJ Reed, and Tony Hamilton, and I don't know who that is, and then Xavier Rhodes. So like, I mean, he's been pretty on some pretty stiff competition. Um, he also didn't have um, George Kittle opening up some of the field, but my big thing is I just don't think the the 49ers have ever gotten into a rhythm in the passing game this year. Jimmy G's been awful. Trey Lance has been awful. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Trey Lance, when he was out there, was horrid to watch. Um, Jimmy G hasn't gotten comfortable. Um, I don't know how much of it's a factor of just the offense as a whole being bad or Ayuk being bad. Like I said, I haven't watched the tape on him. So, I mean, he very well could have regressed and, you know, everything's being true. Um, or maybe the lack of effort isn't there uh, because they're not competitive. I don't really know. Um, it would have to depend on the cost of if you're buying or selling. Personally, I'd probably be selling. I just, I've seen a guy get in the, the Kyle Shanahan doghouse before and he didn't get out. And he was a fantastic route runner and he, he was really good his rookie year and yada, yada, yada. And now he's like the seventh string Giants receiver. Um, the numbers are there. And I guess it's a do you believe in what you see thing. Um, and maybe I'll feel very differently after looking at the tape. Um, I just got it sent to me. So I will look at that. But right now, based on the numbers, the snap percentage, you know, the offense not being into a rhythm. Um, you know, I mean, like the the 49ers offense has has only passed in 300 yards once in this entire year. And that was when Brandon Ayuk didn't even play. Um, outside of that, it's been 189, 257, 165, and 181. Their passing offense has been horrid. It's been Debo Samuel or bust. Um so maybe they find a rhythm later in the season and he picks things up. But, like, I would buy for maybe two third-round picks. Um, a little bit of risk, you know, not not going to kill you. Um, still decent upside, but I would sell. I mean, if somebody's offering me a second-rounder, maybe see if you can't get something a little bit on the back end and add cash out. He just doesn't – nothing looks right for San Francisco this year. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. And in the interest of time, I will move on to the next one. This is a guy we've talked a lot about. I've been very high on at Lions Watson. <laughs> Interesting handle there at Lions Watson. I don't know if that's a, a ploy for Deshaun, but I don't think he's going to Detroit. Um, he asks Javante Williams value rest of season and in future ones. For me, it's to the moon. Um, but I think we're starting with Sam on this one. So what do you got for us? Yeah, he looks pretty good. Um, he'll clearly be the lead back moving forward. Um, um, and redraft, he's a flex start. Um, if, if Melvin Gordon gets hurt, then, you know, he'll be an RB2 with RB1 upside. But in redraft, like, you're not starting him comf confidently, but if you have a flex and you need him, like, he's a good flex, I guess. Um, in Dynasty, yeah, I think wheels up. Um, I do see a pretty real scenario where Melvin Gordon returns for a cheap contract as a backup. Um, Melvin Gordon isn't washed like Twitter wants you to believe, um, but Javante is clearly the more dynamic, better running back. Um, so I feel like moving forward, uh, it's going to clearly be Javante's show. It just be depend on who's backing him up. Um, I mean, he looks good. Every time he touches the ball, he's breaking tackles. He's running guys over, making guys miss. He looks really good. I just don't see a world where next year he's not a top 12 running back. 
Yeah, I'm with Sam. I'm already projecting to have him in my top 12 dynasty rankings uh, come the end of the season. Uh, and for redraft, like you said, I, I think he's a good flex play. I started him last week against the Browns, um, and I got lucky there with the touchdown there at the end, even though he looked really good on the field. It just a lot of the work wasn't there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm all, I'm all in on Javante. I'm with, I'm with Chad on, on this one. I, I love him. I got him in two of my three main money leagues and he's like my RB four on those teams. So I'm super stoked about that, but I, th- I think Javante's the real deal. Yeah. And I've had him as high as like 12, 13 in my dynasty rankings, which I was told I was biased, which is fair, but I think I, think I have him at 14 fair. right now. Yeah, I think he needs to add some swagger to his um, game day attire. What is he doing with just a basic ass robot visor? No sleeves. No, I mean, nothing. He is running out there like a basic Madden create your own character. Like, <laughs> he's got to add some swagger it. to his game. Like, get a visor. Like, he's all about the game, visor. man. He's all about the game. He's too locked in. He's not a creative player. He's just the default player that you forgot. Yeah, he's like the default player that you forgot to look good. Like, I hope next year, like, if he comes out next year with, like, a black visor and number, like, 33, you know, and, like, has a sleeve, like, watch out, like, top five. I will say, um, or, last or thing before we Or he changes on. his number to a single digit. Something oh, like yeah, that. it's okay. Oh, yeah. That's, um, I agree with everything you guys said. And Sam, like, he's obviously more interesting in Dynasty with, I don't think Melvin Gordon's going away by any means. I think he's a little bit interesting in redraft because you can probably get him fairly cheap because people know he's in a committee, but they have a week 11 buy and then their opponents from there on out are the chargers, the chiefs, the lions, the Bengals, the Raiders chargers chiefs. So he has a really nice playoff schedule. And I think coming back out of their week 11 buy, we could really see him start to break out. Yeah. I see a possibility like after that buy, he kind of takes over as the lead right. back. Like they're not going to be in the playoff hunt. So like, Oh, let's see what we got in our young, our young back. Like, Hey, we know Gordon's a fine back. If we need him back this year, like let's see what we got in Javante. Like that's probably what's going to happen. Is it crazy to think that after the week 11 buy, if nothing has gotten better, that this is a, a, a Drew Locke, a Javante Williams, a Noah Fant, a Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton kind of show. Well, I don't think Teddy's going to last the, till the week 11. Um, I, I think Teddy has one more week, to be honest. Yeah, I think he's got till halftime of this upcoming game, and if they look horrible and he's done nothing. Who they play? Who y'all got this week, Chad? Washington. Yeah, at, so uh, if he comes out there and looks horrible against that defense. At home, too, yeah. Then I, I, I just don't see Teddy lasting much longer. Is Javante a good start this week, y'all think? I think he, like, he's a, a flex player hoping for a touchdown. Like That's what he is until Melvin Gordon either gets hurt or moved or is the official backup. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's uh, finish these out. We got one more um, that I want to get to, and then I'm going to throw in a couple that we got from our team at Fantasy Scouts. We'll do kind of rapid fire on those. But the last one here was from at Shackin10. He said, someone just dropped Chris Carson, normal redraft league. Do I pick him up? I think the answer is yes, but more so, like, how are we valuing Carson going forward? Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Yes, you pick him up, but also, who are you drafting? I'd like to know what your bench looks like. And then moving forward, I honestly believe Seattle's in the RB market next year. I don't. I, do I the the way Carson's contract was structured, I I think he has a good chance he's back next year. I don't think there's a good chance he's the lead back. I think it'll be somebody else. 
or if he is the lead back, he's in a like a a Melvin Gordon Javante type committee where we got legit, you know, twelve carries each kind of thing going on. So for Dynasty, I think I'm looking to sell at this point, unless you are in championship mode and you know he was a really good depth piece for you for the rest of this season moving forward. And redraft if he was dropped in your situation, obviously. But like like I said before, it depends on who you're dropping for him. But yeah, Dynasty, I'm looking to sell honestly. Yeah, for me, um, I, I mean, there's also a real possibility his quarterback's not there there next year as well. So if, if that's good luck having the offense open up. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, I mean, he's 26, 27. Um, nobody on their offense looks good right now except for DK when he gets the ball thrown to him, if Gino can figure out how to do that. Um, I, and I guess if you're dropping – the problem is you have to use your IR spot, which means you have to drop somebody first before you can go like pick him up and move him there. So like, who is that piece you're dropping, and is he going to get picked up before you can grab him again? That's the real question. Um, and if if you have to drop someone like Tony Pollard to pick Chris Carson up to put him in your IR, don't do it. If it like it can't it like I don't know how much value Chris Carson has right now in redraft. Um, that next yeah. stuff seems serious. I mean, I've heard career ending every, like in that. Like I've heard yeah. it once, but like I mean, like that's a real possibility. And like I don't, he didn't look particularly good, and the Seahawks don't look like anything without Russ. I'm honestly like, until Russell comes back, the only player I want on that team is named DK Metcalf. It's also one of the situations too is that being a Seahawks fan, we're probably not competing for a playoff spot. So they have zero incentive to rush Carson back, especially if this is a real neck injury and they're thinking long-term, like we need him for next year. So. Yeah. And they're like, you know, Hey, we also have this kid from San Diego state and just, I just, I just want to see a healthy penny for like four games, like just perform well. I don't even care about fantasy anymore. I just want it for him. Yeah. I mean, like to be fair, I remember when the pick was made. There was I, I was obviously like in a draft room when they made the pick. A couple people laughed. So, yeah, he's a I, good football player, though. Yeah, it just it, can't stay on the field. Yep, it's a it's a chronic neck issue, so you never know. But I think the point is that you're you're probably picking him up. But that's a good point. If you got to drop somebody like Tony Pollard, don't do it. Um, last two, these are from from our guys. This one's from Andrew, uh, who's been on the pod with us a lot. For those of you who don't know, he coaches high school football. He's been very busy with that, so he hasn't been on with us lately. So I thought I'd do him the favor of, uh, of giving him a question here. At underscore Devi Scout, rest of season, Daryl Henderson or Joe Mixon PPR, which is very interesting because um, we talked about both of those guys already. Uh, give me Henderson because the, I'm, they're not pulling Henderson off the field on third downs for Samaji P. Run. Matt? Oh my God! They're not. No, I'm. I knew you're. I knew he's gonna get mad about that. I had to say it. I'm not I, mad, but they're not doing that for. I'm so, seeing too much Samaj P. Ryan for my liking. When Darrell Henderson's well, on the field, they, because Henderson. they pulled the starters. Give me Darrell Henderson. He's on the field all the time, no matter what. Um, over the past few weeks, Samaj P. Ryan and uh, Chris Evans have found the end zone. I think that's annoying. Yeah, I slightly prefer Henderson. I do think Mixon. I think they're close, but I I prefer Henderson. Matt, are you saying Mixon, or are you just kind of indifferent? 
I think they're close. I don't, if you want one or the other, I really don't think it matters. I finished in the same. I think they finish, you know, relatively similar. I'll, I prefer Mixon just because the offense and, well, that doesn't. They're both, both offenses are eating. Those, both offenses yeah. are humming. I, I'm going to cut that. I'm cutting that. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. because <laughs> you're in charge of editing. Yeah. You cut out your... It's hard, though. Like, it, that's the that's the reality is, like, that's the mentality difference of the Bengals now is Joe Mixon came out this week and says, like, for years it was, hey, let's just try not to go three and out. And now it's, hey, we better get in the fucking end zone. All right, last one. This is from Ben at Fantasy Scouts, uh, uh, at Ben Jammin. He says, he says, what does it take to get Jamar Chase? And I, like, nothing. I mean, what, two first-round picks is what you got to start with? I don't know. It takes, first off, what you want to do, Ben, is you want to get your car and you want to go down your bank and open your safety security box. (laughs) And you want to take out everything you have in there and you need to mail it to whoever owns Jamar Chase and give them your entire team. Because that's that's borderline what it takes. Yep. I sent Andrew an offer a few days ago for or no, excuse me, it wasn't Andrew. It was Austin an offer for Jamar Chase. I offered T Higgins and a twenty three one, and he said no, thank you. I said okay. I said, do you want anything for him? He's like, nope. He's dynasty wide receiver one for me. He's key part of my team. Don't, not looking to move from, move off him. Okay, that's fair. I got players like that too. A different I- league. I went out and sent out T. Higgins in two twenty-three ones. Swift decline. Didn't even get a counter. Wasn't interested. I don't know if you can buy him at all, to be honest. Yeah, I'd, I don't even think like DK Metcalf in the first would get me into the door with Brian in my main league. Um, yeah, it's, 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 some people are just so locked in. And that's fair because he's yeah. he was given ungodly expectations, and he's rewriting the record book right now. That was so, I mean last year. Yeah, like that's, that's exactly the problem. So I don't know what you do with that. I mean, like he's I don't know. Like if you could get him, congrats. I just I imagine it's something stupid. Like in a super flex league, like it would be like Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf Where, for I, him. I think we're at the point where if you're give if you're trading for Jamar Chase, you're probably giving up so much. It's actually a detrimental thing to your team. This I, is where I'd be curious to see one of those DF bean counter threads to see if that's the case. I will say it, it normally really bothers me when people aren't even willing to discuss their players, like because pretty much everybody has a price. But with Chase, like I totally like that's fair. I just nothing. Nothing could get it done. Um, I did want to pull up here and see if we could find. Oh, do you want me to pull up that trade finder on BLF? I that's what I have open right now. So give me just a second. Um, you're not you're not using your cool dynasty nerds one that you're you know paid to do. No, okay. Um, I was gonna mention. I didn't know if I could plug it, but I was gonna mention how I wrote an article before the season. Those of you go check it out about when Javante Williams would take over the backfield before the season, and I did say after the week eleven bye. So go check that out. Um, the first deal on this list is Jamar Chase and Ricky Seals Jones for Claypool, Judy, and a twenty twenty two first round pick. Wait, say that again. Chase, Ricky Seals Jones, for Chase Claypool, Jamar or Jerry Judy and a 2022 first round pick. So Holy basically shit. Claypool Judy in a first because I think I'm selling chase then. <laughs> wow. 
So that's kind of an idea. Of, Makes of you what. think. But I'd like, rather have um, the Claypool Judy side. Here's another one: DJ Moore and Kadarius Tony for Jamar Chase. Like I said, I think Tony's going to be a star, but I, I mean, that's that's. Well, I think that's a little bit closer. I think DJ yeah. Moore and Chase are one for one a little bit more. But wow. So, yeah. Good luck getting him. Basically. Um, you guys got any last thoughts before we head out? This was a fun uh, mailbag episode. We'll have to uh, give our listeners a shot to do this again down the road. But um, you guys got any last thoughts? All right. Um, yeah, thank you guys for your questions. Thanks for listening. Excited to have a little bit of interaction with you guys. So um, let us know on Twitter. Give us some feedback on our answers. Let us know what you think. And um, otherwise... If you're not a member, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, uh, subscribe there, download the thrive fantasy app, promo code FF scouts will get you hundred percent deposit match up to $100. And, uh, we'll see you back here next week on the fantasy scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info. You won't get anywhere else. 